Exodus chapter 1. If you have it, follow along with me. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, hmm, I'm going to turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, that's interesting, nothing had happened yet. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your shoes off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Now, I want you to help me with this. Go back to verse 1. He led his flock to the west side of the wilderness. Does anyone have a different translation? What is your Bible? Do you on your phone or in your hand? What is your? Do you have different translations? Anybody? NIV, New King James. Yeah. What does it say? To just he led them far. Far. He led them far to the. On the far side, okay? So he was far. He led them far on the wilderness. Anyone else? Beyond the wilderness? Any others? Okay, I think the, uh, is it the NIV or something says the west side of the wilderness? Right? Yeah. The west end? The west end. So th- this is interesting. Well, one of them said, th- this says to the uh, west side of the desert. Uh, the old King James says, to the backside of the desert. That's interesting. So the far side, that's kind of, it sounds like a comic strip, right? Far side, on the far side. So on the far side of the desert, the west side of the desert, are the backside of the desert. How can you, call, and also, so how can you get all those translations? Let me give you an etymological uh, derivation of this Hebrew word. So a little bit of uh, etymology. Now, the, which way is east here? This way? That, wait a minute, someone went that way? <laughs> okay, I got an east going this way, this way, and I don't east going, sold, east, okay, all right. So I'm not sure, but let's just use this, okay. So here's what happened. Uh, well, actually, I'm going to go a little southeast or whatever, so just so you can follow me here. So the Hebrew people often, when the sun would come out, they would bow to the east. This is kind of interesting, because the word that's used here is that they, when they bow to the east, what happens is, in your anatomy, when you bow to the east, you're near the east. But there's a part of your anatomy that is far away from the east. Do you follow me? 
and it's, it's, it's far away. And that is, directionally speaking, on the west side. Okay, so you've got the east side and the west side are the back side. So, that, so Moses was on the back side, not the front side of the desert. He was on the west side or the far side from the near side. Are you with me? I love, I don't know, I just, I was just doing my biblical exegesis, and I ran across this interesting etymological fact. So, here's my question. What is your address? Why was he on the west side? Why was he on the back side of life? Why was he on the west side? Because you remember that Moses had an identity crisis in which he in realizing I am a Hebrew, but I'm in an Egyptian context, he began to try to identify with the things of God. But when he tried to identify with the things of God, instead of doing it God's way, he kind of did it his way, kind of his Hebrew-Egyptian way. So he goes out and sees some of his own brethren, his Hebrew brethren, who are slaving away. And there was an Egyptian that was smashing them and beating them. He said, don't beat them. And he says, uh, they're Hebrews, and he said, and he, 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 he just beat them. So Moses said, I told you, don't hit him. Wow. He has a scepter in his hand. He's of the house of Pharaoh. The Egyptian goes down. Can you just see Moses? Get up. Get up. Get up. But the Egyptian did not get up. Blood ran from his mouth and his eardrums. Some oozed from his eyeballs because the man was dead. He took him and buried him in the sand. Buried him in the sand. Time went by, and Moses was again <clears throat> out. And again, he sees another Egyptian. He says, don't strike that man like that. And the Egyptian says, what? What? You, what? You're going to hit me like you hit the other guy? Ooh. And Moses realized the word has spread everywhere. And he gathered his stuff. And he fled, he traveled, he traveled, he traveled, he traveled to the west side, to the west side, away from the Nile, toward what is now Libya, Tunisia. He traveled to the west side. And he was there 40 years, 40 years. By the time he comes to God in the burning bush, on the far side, on the west side, on the back side of life, he's had 40 long years to think this through. So when he saw the burning bush, he said, I've seen bushes and I've seen fires, but I've never seen a bush on fire that didn't burn up. And he goes, huh. And at the moment he says, huh. 
I'm going to go see what this is. At that moment, God says, Moses, Moses. Now, here's the question. Do you know what it is to live on the backside of life? Do you know what it is to do something in your past? And maybe not everyone knows about it. In fact, the people that you're sitting behind or in front of or to the side of right now in this place right here may not know what you have done, but you know what you have done. You know what I've observed over the years? I've observed that sometimes people, they, they identify with Jesus Christ. They've been baptized. They're following him. If the church asks for an offering, they give it. You ask for prayer and you pray for others. And others go. They go to the ends of the day. They go to Chiang Mai. Linda and I lived for two years in Chiang Mai. I want to tell you it's a beautiful place. It is a, it's a beautiful, beautiful city. We loved uh, Chiang Mai time. We were always related, focused towards India, but we couldn't get into India at that time. Okay, You couldn't get a personal bank account from Citibank uh, in the time that we went. You get a corporate account, but you couldn't get an individual account. So we got into India at very interesting times. But... Uh, uh, you, I, I lost where I was. Where, where was I? <laughs> I went to Chima. Uh, oh, backside. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it was backside. So, <clears throat> so here, here. Uh, do you know what it is? Sometimes you, you've done something, and maybe it's a secret to everyone. But you know what it is. And I have seen people at times, they're willing to support others. But somewhere there's a gnawing thing inside the brain and inside the heart that says, if you knew what I have done in my past, I've never told anyone. But every time it comes up for people to serve, for you to serve, it's kind of like, I'll support others, but how could God use someone like me if you've done what I've done? Oh, you're a wonderful person. Yeah, that's what people say because they know the outside, but they don't know the backside of your life. They don't know that point that was a secret. Maybe just you, maybe you and one person, maybe just you, period. But you know something that you've done, and you've had this thing that's hung over you for a long time, for years and years. This hung over Moses for years, for decades. And he lived on the far side. He lived on the backside of life. Now, I know that we kind of have a, you kind of have a pattern when you, when we, Pastor Paul, when we, thank you again, Pastor Paul. You guys, you got a good pastor. Can you just thank the Lord for, huh? Pastor Paul. Thank you, bro. But I, I want to say this with, you know, man, I'm, I need more, I need a, more Starbucks. I, I'm losing my, why did I? Uh, <laughs> I, I just forgot why I was going to say with Pastor. Uh, where was I? Backside of life, Pastor. Oh, invitation. I was. Thank you. Thank you, honey, dude. Uh, Pastor Paul, others. We usually have a time where at the end of the message, the end of the message, you have an invitation, right? Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll have another time to respond, but I want you to have a time to respond right now. If you know what it is for yourself to live on the backside of life, you know that there's some things or there's something in your past 
and maybe hardly anyone or no one else knows about it, but you know about it, and it has hindered you from a real obedience, from God being able now to use your life. When God said, Moses, Moses, I love this, Moses only said one thing. <sighs> Here I am. You're the living God. You know everything. You know everything. You know everything that has happened to me in my life. You know everything that has happened in my past. And God, if you're calling my name, and you know everything about me, here I am. Heavenly Father, we bow down before you right now like our brother Moses, some of us know what it is to live on the backside of life. We follow you, Lord. We, we love you. We, we know you're, we are part of your people. But you know, God, and not many other people know what I've done. Other people uh, don't know that thing that I did, Lord. Hear the prayer of that person right now, that, that, that man, that woman, that Teenager, the boy, the girl, college student, you know, Lord, hear the prayer of that person. Say, Lord, you know everything about me, and you know what I've done and what other people don't. And Lord, if you know everything like Moses, and you could use a person like me, then Lord, hear my prayer. Right now, I'm asking you, pray this just to him. Just say these words, here I am. Lord, hear the prayer of that person that says, here I am. You know everything about me, and if you can use me, if you can use me on mission for what you're doing in the world, here I am. Amen. I want you to notice what happens at this point. At this point, Moses says, yeah, but, but who, who are you? And then the Lord said, I, I am the Lord who has surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land. Uh, and... And now, behold, the cry of the people has come up to me, and I have seen the oppression of the Egyptians uh, that come to oppress them. This is really great. I, I want you to do something with me. I want to. Uh, I, ha I have some bros that are friends, and in coming back to the United States, we visited in the in the African American church, and there, you know, uh, there's a conversation. Pastors don't just preach; you get a conversation. And I kind of like this. It's like, so I'm going gonna, gonna to do like this. Like, I'm going to do this like, I have, I have seen their affliction. And you're going to go, yeah. Right? And, 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 I, and I, have, I, I felt their suffering. And you're going to go, yeah. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? Oh, okay, 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 okay. So the Lord said, I, I, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I know their suffering. Yeah, yeah, and I have come down to deliver them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah? Yeah? yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I, I left out. I'm sorry, I left out something. So, come. I will send you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, therefore, come. I will send you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, huh? It's the Lord who has seen the affliction. It is the Lord who has been gripped by the sufferings and he he knows them. God sees the tears. God hears the cries. And God comes to deliver. And therefore, he is going to send you. Wow. Because when God does a work, He stirs the hearts of his people. That's who God is. He is a God who sees and delivers and sends his people to Pharaoh. And then I love this. At this point, Moses just said, Lord, you got it? I'm in. I'm ready. And, well, not exactly. What he does is he says, well, Lord, you see, Lord, uh, we actually, um, uh, I, I don't do that kind of like mission thing. <laughs> I, 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 and, uh, you know, you got, you, got to, you, got to, you, got to, you got to be talking, you got to be sharing, you got to, you know, you're going to have to go down and talk to uh, Moses and everything. And, you know, the people of Israel, they need to find out about this and, uh, you know, talk to the elders and everything, mobilize them. And, everything. and uh, Lord, I just, I, I tell you what, I, I got it. I got it. Aaron. <laughs> it's Aaron. Lord. Aaron, he's my brother. Look, Aaron is my brother. There's Moses and Aaron. Aaron is my brother. And you know what, Lord? He's the talker in the family. You know? I mean, actually, he's a mouth, right, Lord? Just, I don't know. He talks all the time. I'm me. I'm this kind of the quiet one, you know? So, Lord, glad to get in connection, but Aaron. It's Aaron you want. Hmm? So notice this. Actually, it doesn't seem that God liked that too much. <laughs> and Moses said, Behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they'll say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, Moses, what is that in your hand? And he said, A staff. Now, that's kind of interesting because you may recall in the old King James Version, it says a rod. I really like that. And one thing about Jewish uh, rabbis in their interpretation, when something appears for the first time in Scripture, they always mark that. Okay? The first intercessory prayer in the, in the Scriptures for Abraham interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah to have mercy and compassion. Okay? So they, they always note where the first thing happens. So this is the first time that this... Uh, right here where what's going to happen where he begins to talk about the rod and he says up until this point though it has been mentioned before but not in a conversation with God it's always called the rod of Moses what is interesting is that after this point in this passage of scripture 
This rod, which was now the rod of Moses, will now be called the rod of God. It will not stop being called the rod of Moses. It will be called the rod of Moses and the rod of God. But something has to happen for that to happen. So he said, what's that in your hand? He says, it's a staff. It's a rod. And he said, uh, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to him, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it. And it became a staff in his hand. So that they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, has appeared to you. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. What is that in your hand? It's a staff. Throw it on the ground. Now, I want you to pause with me just a moment and go to the Animal Channel. On the Animal Channel, you know, they have Shark Week and Porpoise Week and (laughs) whales and things like that. This is Snake Week. Now, technically, what this says, this is the adder, the Egyptian adder. Now, on the Animal Channel, you can find out and discover that the Egyptian adder has a territory, and if you invade its territory, the, the Egyptian adder actually will rise up, and it kind of like will propel it. It'll like a whiplash. It'll <laughs> so it'll 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 move, and it will chase you. It will chase you. Okay. Now Moses is evidently because it, it should have been fifteen feet. He should have thrown his rod 15 feet away, okay? But he didn't. He just threw it on the ground. Now he's in the territory of hostility, of endangerment to the Egyptian adder. So the adder rises up and goes... (laughs) So Moses, he hasn't been on the backside of the desert for nothing, right? He knows, I'm dead. Because you see, what happens is he is running and, and... is it okay if I bite you? When it strikes, it pumps poison into you. And then in about 23 to 27 minutes, you're dead. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so Moses is <sighs> and the snake <sighs> and now then Moses is out of range and the snake is the snake is and Moses says, All right. Okay. Okay. God, you still there? Moses. Yeah. Yeah, what? Pick it up. (laughs) By the tail. What? By the tail? You pick it up by the tail, and it goes... (laughs) Right? 
Det gør det. Could we talk this over? Uh, are there options? <laughs> you know, he picks it up. And it's a staff, a rod, again. I mean, a transformer staff, right? I mean, from snake, Egyptian adder, to Moses' rod. You know, that, it's just really awesome. Can you imagine? Here's, I don't know about you, but if it was me. You know, when Moses laid down at sleep at night, you've ever been on a camping trip or something, you know, you, you lay down, you kind of get your stuff around you, or, or if you've ever, like, been on a train or something in, the, in India, you, you put all your stuff nearby because people will steal it or something like this. And, but, you know, I just kind of feel like, was there ever a time on the desert when he laid down at night Go to sleep. He puts his puts his rod down. Puts his stuff. Did he ever just kind of like uh, just check it out? You know, it's like is it just laying there? So here's the thing: the staff, the rod, is the symbol of Moses's profession. That's who he was. That's what he did. That's how he made his living. He was a shepherd, so he had a rod. Thy rod and thy staff, because with the rod, he could beat snakes. He could defend the sheep against wolves, lions, other things that attacked them. It was the symbol of his profession. But I want you to know this. In the business world, in your profession, you can never do what you should do and do God's will unless you recognize inside your profession is the power of the snake. Some people never realize that. They give themselves so totally, utterly to the company and such, and then the company is finished with them. They do a buyout or not, and they're over. It's over, and you're thrown away. Do you know what I'm saying? When they recognize the power of the snake, now then God was ready to use him. So the question is, what is that in your hand? Are you a student? What's in your hand? Who, who are you? What, what are you involved in? What's your identity? I'm a student. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a professional. Well, what do you do? I work in the, in the food industry. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a checker. I'm, I'm a mechanic. I'm, a, I'm an attorney. I'm a teacher. Right? What, it, what's, what is that in your hand? I'm a housewife. What, are, what is it that you are involved in? What is that, that that's in your head? I think over the years of different people and some of the things that happened. Let me just see if I can get it. Yeah, Jeff Chuang. Jeff Chuang was an engineer in Long Beach. Another engineer, part of our congregation, shared Jesus with him on their breaks and different things. Jeff came to, to faith in Christ. Three weeks after he came to faith in Christ, his father, who uh, liked to uh, fish off of the uh, rocks and such down uh, towards... Uh, 
uh, further down from Huntington Beach or so. He was out, and a large wave came, swept him out to sea. They found him two miles down further. He drowned to death. His family said, you've come under a curse because you followed Jesus. He continued to follow Jesus. Within five or six months, just as he joined our church, one of the things we always ask people, how would God use you? Does God want to use you around the world? And he raised his hand. He said, how would you do that? I'm an engineer. I'm with McDonnell Douglas. said, why don't you go to your supervisor and say, are there any international connections? Would you want people to uh, you know, go overseas? Many American, American companies have trouble getting people to go overseas because Americans like to come back. They'll go over two years or so. And he, he went to him and said, I will stay five years, whatever you want. They took him through the, the procedure and everything. Eventually, he and his wife went to Beijing. They were doing tail fins for McDonnell Douglas and, and things there. The long and short is, is that they, as they, he went there and talked with people there, eventually, by the time they left some, I believe, 10 house groups were started okay, in China because of them. And he was an engineer. You take... Uh, Enrique Monreal, what's that in your hand? Enrique, Enrique came to me and said, there's a lot of people here that have lots of education. Such, he said, uh, I went to LA Trade Tech and, and he said, uh, for me, I got a hammer in my hand. Well, by saying, God, this hammer is yours. Enrique eventually built 1,500 homes in northern Iraq, five hospitals, he had a $20,000 bail on his head. He had a Muslim friend with a machine gun sleep beside him uh, time after again. The men, Muslim men eventually asked him, uh, who is this that you serve? Tell us about Isa. Tell us about Jesus. You know why? It happened the day after whenever men were digging a trench for a sewer uh, with the houses and such. Enrique, they weren't doing it right. He tried to explain it, they couldn't, so he jumped down in there, asked them to get out, and he showed them and shoveled how he wanted it and how he wanted the thing done. The men later told, and among themselves, they said, no, no one that we know of as a boss would ever have gotten down, and if he had, they would have cussed and sworn and kicked us. But this man simply asked us with respect to get out, and he shoveled, he showed us how. That night around campfires in northern Iraq, they said, tell us about your God. The man, the Muslim man, who was his bodyguard to keep him alive when he left after three years. He said, I want to follow Jesus before you leave. He led his own bodyguard to the Lord. Why? Because he was a contractor. What's that in your hand? Do you follow me? I know Betsy Cunningham. She had her English second language from USC. Went to China. John Langston, he was a farmer, North Carolina, married a Stanford girl, met them in Singapore, right? Eventually, they went to Thailand. They, he did work in India. When we saw him, he was 10 miles outside of a little airport in, uh, in uh, um, uh, Kunming, China. The government had given him 10 acres. The government gave him 10 acres. He trained church planters and planted trees like Johnny Appleseed on the mountains that the Marxist government had denuded because of their Marxist views and such as this. Just very interesting. He's a farmer. What do you have in your hand? Nicole Weir just got back from India. She's going to go as a sports consultant. She said, I just did it for fun and everything, but she's going to be in India on a contract with the Indian government because 
in India, the, the caste system keeps you apart from people. India only won about 12 or so medals. China won over 100. Why so few? Because in India, your caste separates you and you're polluted. And if I touch you or you touch me or your, sin, you, your, uh, your skin or your sweat, that I'm polluted if you're of lower caste. So India can have individual things. That's why they win in archery, shooting, uh, in individual uh, thing. But they can't do team sports because it breaks caste. The government now is looking for people to train them in sports. Do you, can you shoot hoops? Can you do basketball, baseball, anything? Uh, India will give you, but they will not have you come as a missionary. People often ask Linda and me, are you missionaries? We go, no, I'm on a business visa. I deliver credits for U.S. universities. Oh, but you're a missionary. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I, now, I'm not a follower of Buddha. I'm not a follower of Mohammed, peace be upon him. I wish him no evil. But I am a, a, a follower of Jesus Christ. Yes, I am. I'm worse than a missionary. I recommend Jesus all the time. I'm telling you, I, some recommend the teachings of the Lord Buddha. Some the teachings of Mohammed. I recommend Jesus all the time. <laughs> oh, my God, it's very fine. <laughs> so you know, so you, you're there. You, you, you work with people. You minister to people. I run over time. Two minutes? Okay. I'll never come back. Listen to <laughs> So here's the thing. Faith, love, hope. Walk humbly. Love, mercy. Do justice. If people are open to the seeds, you share the gospel. That's why you always need to tell what's happening. On this weekend, I was with people and I heard someone say this. Repeat what you hear the pastor say. You don't have to say it was a pastor. Just this is what happened on this weekend. First three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you can tell other people you work with what you did on the weekend, see? Conversations that you had. I heard this person say this. I've been thinking about it. Just give your witness. Give your testimony. What has happened in your life, okay? Pray for all people. Doesn't it say pray for all people? Uh, just uh, people. If something unusual happens, you just... In the global world, you can do anything with the phrase, it is my custom. It is my custom. Wow, that's incredible. Thanks for this conversation. You know what? It's my custom that when I have a great conversation with people, I just like to thank God. Could I pray and pray God's blessing to you right now? Just, I don't know, wow, wiped out with this conversation. It's great. And it's, I'll just say three words from my heart. Well, okay, sure. God, thank you for this conversation. Bless this prayer. So you just pray for them. In Jesus' name, Amen. And don't pray in thy name and say, say in Jesus' name, okay? With my Muslim friends, six professors from Kabul, after I'd done lectures in the sociology department, six professors come to India. By the time we ended, I say, this is, this is what we do. This, uh, uh, it's my custom. When we prayed for them, I ended the prayer. They're Muslim. Are they going to buy into what I'm saying? No, I ended my prayer. And Lord, I ask you these things the way you taught me to pray. In Jesus' name. Do you follow me? If a person's open to the message, you give the seeds. If they're not open to the message, then they're open to you, the messenger. Just love them, okay? Just love them in Jesus Christ. Serve them. Find ways to serve them. Imitate Jesus. What would Jesus do? Just serve them. That's the, the messenger. They're not open to the message, but they're open to you, the messenger, okay? And if they're not real suspicious about you, the messenger, you find some mess in their life. Something that, where, where something has been done wrong to them, their family, their ethnic group, 
and you stand with them. There was a woman who was stripped naked. She was a Dalit, an untouchable woman. She was put as the mayor of her local church, or her, not church, her village, and a Brahmin man came to her, bribed her. She wouldn't do it, so he brought three men back. They stripped her naked and beat her and paraded her for three hours in her village to humiliate her. When Linda saw this, in the new, it was in the national newspapers. She said, Tom, we have to do something. That meant, Tom, you get out there. And <laughs> so uh, eventually we joined together with secular, with, with some secular Hindu people and such. There were six of us who were Christians. There was a rally of 9,000 people. One man walked seven days to come to the, the place there so he could file the papers in the court building and everything. There was a rally, 9,000 people. Uh, they were people, the police were taking pictures. They said, maybe you should leave the platform. I got off to the side, unknown. Then they said, they're calling for you to go up. So they, I went back up and spoke to the people and everything. So then we go that night. The thing is over. 9,000 people supporting this woman. And we were at a bar, okay? We're at a bar. There's all Hindu men and such there. Everyone's drinking beer. I've got my Diet Coke. <laughs> okay. and, uh, and this man says, Dr. Tom, what you did tonight, this can have your passport revoked. You'll never come back to India. You took place in a political, you took part in a political event. Why did you do this? And I said, uh, well, uh, wouldn't it be, what they did to her was wrong, right? It was wrong what they did to her. He said, yes, it was wrong. I said, so if I leave India, I said, I love India. I've been here eight years or so I, at that time. I said, I love India. I said, but if I could not come back to India for Umiko, my granddaughter, for Matt, for Penny, for, for Chris, for Timmy, for Shane, for my, for my family, for my sons and my daughter-in-laws and my granddaughter, wouldn't it be an honorable thing? Wouldn't it be an honorable thing for my granddaughter Umiko to say, my Papa Tom cannot go back to India because he stood on behalf of an injustice done against a poor woman. You know what he said? I'm going to tell you, and I'm going I'm to use because the man cursed. He took the word God and the word damn and put them together. Are you with me? Okay, so I'm just repeating. I'm not trying to be postmodern and everything. I'm just... I'm just <laughs> telling you what he did in a bar in India among men drinking beer, a man who had never been in a Christian church in his life. On the, on the bar top, he banged his hand and he said, that's good, that's goddamn good. Boom. The, the beer bottles jumped. And you know, I think, I think he was trying to say amen. I... I, I <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm translating, you know, but I, I feel like that this, this secular Hindu man, I think in that bar that night, he was trying to say amen, but he didn't know how, you see. You know how. So he, and he said, so why did you do it? And I said, well, it's a spiritual reason. He said, well, tell us. And I said, well, it's, it's about Jesus. I don't want to be interruptive or anything. No, no, you tell us. So now, I do that because whenever I'm going to tell a hard truth, you know that saying you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink? but you can feed the horse salt. <laughs> and that makes it thirsty, right? And then what? So that, that's like, 
That's like, you know, you go into a bar, right? They say, what do you want? You want a beer? You want a bourbon? You go, no, I don't want anything. They say, okay, fine, here's some peanuts. Yeah. See, they don't mind that you're going to eat peanuts and you're going to eventually order your drink, right? So I said, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a spiritual thing. Well, that's, that's fine, tell us. Well, but it's about Jesus. I don't want to be con controversial. You know, and he goes, no, it's fine. Oh, my God. So I told him, I said, well, a long time ago, a man came to a poor man's farm in the black woods of Germany to my great-great-great-great-grandfather. And there he told my family about Jesus. And they passed it down. And blessings came to our family because of Jesus. And now then, I've come from my family to your family to India to share the blessings that God has given us. And so I was able to witness and share at that bar that night about Jesus. But you know what? I entered their life through the mess. They didn't want to hear from Christians. The message, they, didn't want to, they were suspicious about me as a Christian, the messenger. But they had a mess. There was an injustice done. You stand with people. So if they're open to your life, sow the seeds. If they're not open to the seeds, then do the deeds and love them and share with them. And if they're not open even to the deeds, then you just stand with them and pull some weeds. Are you with me? You do that, and God will use you wherever you are. Because we're on mission, and let me say this. I have now been ordained for over 50 years. Are you following me? A half of a century. I am not against the ordained, Pastor. I'm not against us that are ordained. But I want to say this. I did not go or be in India, South Asia, Central Asia, in Muslim countries, Muslim universities. I wasn't with uh, the, the government's Buddhist uh, celebration of the 2,500-year anniversary of the Enlightenment of the Buddha in Bodh Gaya. I wasn't there as a pastor. I was there as an academic on a business visa. Are you following me? And whatever is in your hand, God wants to use. Because in this generation already, a uniqueness is, is that there has been a shift from the worship space to the workplace. From the work, worship space to the workplace. From the ordained to the ordinary. And the purpose of those of us, the ordained, is to equip you, the ordinary, that Jesus may go forth in the marketplace. And that's happening everywhere, and you can't stop it. You cannot stop it. That is the uniqueness of this, of this generation, and that is why God wants us on mission. Will it be dangerous? I want to say this. I want to talk to you just now. You guys who are younger, okay, you're teenagers, something like this. I have 14 stitches over my right eye. I've been beaten in the streets of East L.A. sharing Jesus. I spent three days in jail in Spain because of Jesus. On the day that 30 men surrounded our car, uh, while I was going to a lecture at Kashmir University near the Pakistan border, they began to throw stones to smash the windows and break into our car. When I told Linda later that night, she didn't tell me that at the same time back in Delhi, we had had six guys from California Baptist University in Riverside that were taken under custody because Hindutva fundamentalists were trying to abuse them in New Delhi on the same day. I want to say this, just like in the Navy SEAL that says on their thing, you have to go out, you don't have to come back. This is a dangerous generation. You carry Jesus to other nations. Yes, Wade came back. Yes, Helen came back. Yes, others have come back. But I want you to know not everybody will come back. 
Pastor, I exhort you, those of you as leaders of this congregation, when you send people out, you intercede for them, you pray for them, and you know that some may not come back. But I want to tell you this. I am 72 years old. Some people have told me repeatedly, man, you, you're kind of like, you're, you're kind of like, you're okay, you're hot to be, <laughs> to be as old as you are. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to slap them. <laughs> you're so old, you know, you know what? If you're in your 20s, if you're in your teens, if you're in your 30s or 40s, I've got a third of a century on you. At every point, at every point, God is faithful. At the time in East LA when my face was covered with blood, there was an anointing of the Spirit. I didn't have it that morning, but at the time you need it, God's grace is sufficient. It is sufficient. And He will meet you everywhere. He met Linda in New Delhi. He's met me in cars with stones being thrown at the windows. You follow Jesus with a whole heart. And he will use you in powerful ways. And all the you have to answer is, what's that in your hand? Whatever it is right now, you be on mission with God. Sow the seeds, do the deeds, pull the weeds. Faith, love, hope, that's what it's about. With heads bowed right now, what is that in your hand? Put your hand on your, on, your, on your knee. Just lay your hand on your knee. And I, what is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? What are you? Say it. Say it to yourself. What are you? Are you, are you, are you are, I don't know. What, what, what is your profession? What is your work? What is your school? What grade are you? What is that in your hand? Now then throw it on the ground. Just symbolically right now. Throw it on the ground. You have to recognize the power of the snake. Some of you are students, and you're going to wait till after you're a student for God to use you. God wants to use you now. You're an attorney, you're a clerk, you're this, you're that. You're going to wait till later. No, God wants to use you now. Now then pick it up. Reach over. Reach over on the floor and pick it up. Reach over and pick it up. Know that it has the power of the snake within it. It has the power of the snake within it. But God wants to use you in power in the ordinary, in the marketplace, wherever you is, wherever you are. Father, thank you. Thank you. Use your people on mission now, here and to the ends of the earth, in Jesus' name. Amen.